Welcome, everybody, to the 5280 Nuggets Fast Break Podcast, part of the Rocky Mountain Sports Network. Uh, we're going to have a short pod here today and talk a little bit about the uh, Bruce Brown fandom going on uh, now that he's been traded and will likely be traded again. Uh, we're going to, of course, go over the Pacers game, get some takeaways, uh, and look ahead at the next few games as well, uh, even though we, we did preview them in a previous episode. But uh, we'll get a little bit more into the Knicks and 76ers game. But uh, on today's show, I got uh, Mr. Glenn Carlson with me. Uh, how are you doing, Glenn? Hey, good, Jake. How's it going, Nuggets Nation? And, of course, Charles uh, Lee. And uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about Brucey B, which Char will be happy to talk about. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I gave you a. Uh, I assumed your position in the intro, so hopefully that's not an indication of how the show's gonna go. But uh, yeah, we just wanted to touch base on the Bruce Brown talk, uh, mostly on Twitter. They got some going on Facebook. Just really Nuggets fans all around after getting traded to the Raptors for Pascal Siakam and some picks. And what was a pretty good trade for, I think, both teams maybe in that one. Uh, but, you know, a lot of Nuggets fans are out there saying, hey, how can we get him back? He's obviously on the trade market. Toronto's probably not going to keep him. Um, and so, yeah, I – it's it's obviously it's it's pretty tough. I think a lot of Nuggets fans that are like really well versed in the cap situation and contracts might know, but um, just for everybody out there right now, Bruce Brown is pretty much uh, not a tradable player for us. Uh, he makes twenty two million dollars a year, and it would basically unless you wanted to trade KCP and some players for him, which I don't know about you guys, but I probably wouldn't be interested no in that. Nope. Uh, but it, it'd take uh, nine players, nine bench players, to trade for KCP. You'd basically be the uh, Suns in a, the, the Suns cap situation at that point. So, um, yeah. I Is there any scenario, Char, that you think that – you would trade. I mean, you probably wouldn't trade Gordon. KCP is the smallest contract you got in the starting five. Yeah, I I don't think so. Um, number one, like you said, the salaries aren't going to match, right? Mm -hmm. um, I I don't see. I mean, let, let's be honest. Brown didn't start for us, so to assume that we would trade KCP just to have Brown start, I don't see that either. Um, I think he excelled off the second unit for us, but um, the salaries don't match. And they're not going to want to take someone like Zeke, who's the next highest contract off the bench, right? Why would they take that? Um, but to be honest, I'm not even convinced that Toronto wants to trade him. I think they targeted Bruce Brown. Oh, really? I think. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I'm not convinced unless they got an offer that was too good to be true. Hmm. I mean, I think he was the most critical piece, and I mean, obviously got some picks, but they didn't just throw him in there for salary. I think they. I've heard that they, they're really fond of him. Um, and they're, he's going to fill a void that they had when OG was there from a defensive perspective as well. So they look at Bruce Brown as someone that they can build around. So, Before I get into what you just said, because I think you're probably in the minority in what most of the you know, mm -hmm. online NBA-verse and even reporters say, and, and Glenn, I'll let you yeah, respond in a good. second. Uh, 
Reggie Jackson is actually the biggest contract off the bench uh, because of Zeke Naji's poison pill. Uh, that's true. Yeah, that's a good point. Right. Or maybe maybe I have it backwards. Hold on. Let me think for a second. So when you trade Zeke Naji, never mind. You're right. You're right, Ashar. So when you trade Zeke Naji, $7 million goes out. Yeah. To that receiving team, but you only send four million. Four million, correct. So they receive more than uh, what you send out technically. So it makes it really hard for over the cap teams to match salary. But in that essence, Reggie Jackson's contract, I guess, more importantly, would then be more valuable. Yeah. To trade in any in a certain trade situation. But yeah, go ahead, Glenn. What were what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, and I, Ashara, it's a. It's a different. It's an interesting point that you bring up that that Toronto would want to keep him, especially with how quickly they kind of said, "Hey, we'd make him available," you know, for for an equal player plus a first round pick. So I don't know. Maybe Ashar. Maybe two things can be true at the same time. Maybe they're fond of Bruce and they feel like they could fit him in the system, but also would entertain somebody uh, that they see worthwhile as well. Yeah. So and, and yeah, that's a good point, Ashar. Um, really interesting to, to actually kind of ponder that for a second as opposed to um what you see in the headlines right now which is which is you know hey we'll trade them for a player plus a first round pick number one uh you know the nuggets the nuggets fan kingdom bless their souls uh, are already asking and clamoring for bruce to come back and number one we don't even think we have a first round pick to even give up right guys could you double check that 2030 2031 is the first available first round right. pick to so trade. Yeah. Which so at this point it's not it's not worth anything no. even as a first round pick. Right. That is just too far out to even think about uh you know putting a yeah. value on a pick or a player at this point. But um I was actually looking the other day and I'm gonna say this out loud without and see if I can get you guys to guess, but um Bruce Brown, right, when he played for our championship run. Um, 11 and a half points per game, four rebounds, 3.4 assists on about 29 minutes. I'm going to name another player. Okay, guys. 11.6 points per game, 2.1 rebounds per game, 4.2 assists per game in only 23 minutes per game. Who would be that second player with just about equal production? On the Nuggets? I know the answer. On the Nuggets. Yeah, I know the answer, so you go. Reggie. Sure. It's Reggie. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Reggie. And Bruce Brown makes $22 million per year. $22 million per year. Reggie makes five. And so for me, uh, there's no scenario where I would give up anything to get Bruce Brown at this point. It just – the math just doesn't work. Yeah, I mean – Production. You you would basically have to trade – you'd have to trade Reggie – you would have to then go ahead and trade eight other players. So you get your pick. Do you keep uh, Christian Brown? Do you keep Peyton Watson? Right. And so, I mean, when you think about what Toronto would receive on that, first of all, they wouldn't want the deal. No No team wants to do a one for nine player trade. It's just, it's too much. It it becomes cap hell and the roster construction just gets completely blown up because you have to do so many moves. Right. Yeah. So it's, the only way you get to that is a consolidation trade to get a player on a larger contract and then flip him for Bruce Brown. But then you're, you're, the Nuggets are still in the same, same situation there. Yeah. And you hard cap yourself, right? Not only do you go into the second apron, so then you lose your taxpayer mid-level exception, which you signed Reggie Jackson with, 
mm-hmm. but then you you hard cap yourself which means like like trades become impossible at that point there's really no way to make any moves so that's like stripping the nuggets roster down and doing what the phoenix suns did and going out and finding eight you know uh, minimum deals yeah yeah and, and who at this point in the season that's um austin rivers uh i don't know <laughs> you know yeah but go ahead ashar i, I kind of yeah. want to rant there no no i mean Look, I get the I get the excitement from the fans that oh Bruce is, was traded. Maybe there's an opportunity to come back to Denver. But again, it's it doesn't make sense logistically. It doesn't make sense for why the Nuggets would do it. If the Nuggets were really interested in Bruce Brown, they they would have found a way to sign him or trade against um, Indiana. I don't again see it. And again, if I'm Toronto, the fact that he signed a two year deal, if if he plays well and you hold on to him this year. Now he has an expiring contract next year where he might even be more valuable from a trade perspective if that's the route that they want to take. I don't see the value that Bruce Brown's going to generate now unless someone is so eager to get him that they think he's going to take him over the top to where they overpay, which, again, it's, he's, a, he's a nice player, he's a good player, but he's not the type of player that's going to get you multiple first-round picks another starter back, right? Yeah. Well, I think when you're—I mean, I could see a team paying multiple first-round picks, but I mean, yeah, perhaps. And 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 I, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I love Bruce Brown. I love everything he was about and what he brought to this team. He was a critical element element to that championship run. Nobody will ever doubt that. Um, but on the flip side of that, you know, when you've got uh, NBA GM sitting down watching the finals and then watching Bruce Brown be an absolute energizer bunny firecracker for us. I can absolutely understand why you may, might overpay for somebody like that or be eager to make that trade. Yeah. And, and that's why the Pacers signed him. He was solid and they had cap space for, to do a trade like this. Like right. this was not ever going to be like a long-term Bruce Brown place. And I mean, $22 million a year is a lot. That's a There's no way the Nuggets could have re- retained him. There's, it's just no. not possible, right? It's not the Jeremy Grant situation where we matched it and he turned it down. Like yeah, we could not. Yeah, and we could not offer him more than twenty percent increase in his salary last year. Yeah. Now the value for the, the problem that I see, I don't think the Raptors keep him because of that cap hit. They're not a cheap team. They traded two. Uh, players with big contracts for other players with big contracts they didn't necessarily shave their cap down too much so that's why i don't see toronto doing that but the team option probably gets declined by a contender if he gets traded to them i mean he that's that's a lot of money to be given up and he's probably he's probably kcp's contract is probably what bruce brown's worth it's probably the 15 to 18 million dollar range and any team that trades for him and declines that team option has the option to sign him for that much even if they're over the cap because he was making 22 million dollars the previous year so that's the value that a contender has in trading for him this year and even next year, if they do hold on to them, is they can assign them to for a three-year, $50 million deal after this while being over the cap. Now, it, and, and that's a, 
really something that only a contending team that traded for him has. They can't wait for free agency because they won't be able to offer him that contract. Right. Yeah. Because because they didn't have him under contract the previous season. Yeah. And so the only way the Nuggets get Bruce Brown back is if he gets traded or he'd have to get traded. The Raptors are not going to decline the option for nothing. Uh, yeah. He's going to get traded. He's going to they're going to decline the option and he's going to enter free agency and somebody's going to might offer him 12 million and we might be able to offer him, you know, the mid level, which is probably going to be six next year or yeah. seven. No chance. So that's, that's really the only option. And it yeah. could happen. If somebody could offer him 12 and that's the best offer he gets. And he's like, screw that. I'll take a few million dollar cut to go back. Yeah. But that's, that's, yeah best case scenario right and that's just not how sports work i mean he he got 22 million the first year which is more than he's going to get it anywhere else and again to your point if he doesn't have the if, the, if toronto doesn't re-sign him or whoever he gets traded in the offseason and he ends up signing another two-year 12 million dollar year or whatever that happens to be so be it he made 22 million his first year which again he's that was more than he knew the nuggets were going to offer anyone else at that yeah. matter so it's a win-win yeah. for him i think he's uh he's in a good position sure. so oh yeah no, I think you know coming to the Nuggets and showing out when he did definitely elevated his stock price. Yep. Yeah, coming to the Nuggets gets you paid. Everybody knows that. Yep. I mean, shoot, look at Gary Harris's deal. Oh um, man, nineteen million dollars a year. So, yeah. Last thing on Bruce, uh, I just I just hope he stays in the East. I do not want him to be traded to the Lakers. I do not <laughs> want him to be traded to Dallas. Even though I don't think he'd be a good fit on Dallas, just because no. they'd be too small after at that point. So that's my two cents on trade destinations in the West. Yeah. OKC would also be tough, and they have the assets to just throw something together. Like, I don't know. Maybe do you trade? Like, oh man, I I I'd have to pull the salary up because I think Josh Giddy's still on his rookie deal. Yeah. So I think he's only making what eight million dollars off the top of my head, somewhere around there. Yeah, they don't have too many big contracts, and they, I mean they're all about the youth movement, right? So they haven't signed anyone big. I mean, I think their biggest trunk contract might be Lou Dort. Well, Shay, Shay's on a max now. Hey, did he sign the max? Yeah, they did. He got a well. I don't know if it's kicked in yet. I think he got a max extension last season. He may have got the extension. Yeah, he, he made all uh, NBA, didn't he? I'm pretty sure. At least second team for sure. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that made him eligible, and he signed that. <laughs> well, and OKC has been just stockpiling first-round picks for, yeah. you know, for what yeah. uh, the last fifteen decade? picks. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah, we'll talk about them one of these days because their war chest is scary. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. But anyways, uh, I guess that's enough Bruce Brown for now. Verdict is we can't trade for Bruce Brown. So yes, let's let's not keep clamoring about it, Nuggets Nation. It's just not not worth the the heartache over. But uh, yeah, I wanted to get into this Pacers game that happened last night. Uh, I thought it was a good game overall. We, we've been playing some really tough teams. So and then of course you sprinkle a Wizards in there every once in a while, but uh yeah that first half was kind of tough nuggets couldn't make anything uh mpj had about seven half inch misses in this game i swear (laughs) like every single shot yeah and it's funny because i'd never think of 
I used to think of MPJ as a feast or famine guy, uh, but he he's pretty consistent now. And it's just like, man, sometimes those nights it's just like that I much off takes you from a, a 20 point game to a five point game when you're yeah. a guy like that. So, but anyways, that two man game with Jokic and Murray looked like Boston again, just executing down the stretch and Jokic just hit some big time shots, but uh, ultimately, we, we pull out with uh, – we had a huge run in the fourth quarter. What was it? 31 to 19? In the second, we'll start in third, yeah. In the third, yeah. Yeah. In the third, yeah. We, we, we outscored 30, I'm sorry. 39-19 in the third. 39-19, not 31. Yeah. yeah, that was the difference in the game. And so, yeah, we end up winning by five with some key moments down the stretch from Jokic and Murray. But – yeah, what was your uh, main takeaway from that, Ashar? Yeah. And, I mean, obviously the two-man game stands out, but, uh, yeah, well, what did you think of the game? So, I think we talked about it on the last podcast. We I expected it to be a close game. I thought it would come down to the fourth quarter, which it pretty much did. Um, we were down by eight and a half. Obviously, we came out extremely strong in the second half. Um, there was a couple, I think, key moments in the game uh, when Rick Carlisle got ejected. It was kind of funny when Jokic was helping the referee and saying, tee him up again. So he kind of, uh, uh, you know, had get, gets an assist for that ejection. But um, I think that kind of sparked the Nuggets as well. It's not, you know, how sometimes they say when the coach gets ejected, it's a, it can spark your team. But I think the Nuggets were fired up as well, that they were finally getting some calls as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, same thing. I mean, it, it, it wasn't just in the second half, Jokic and Murray. It was Jokic and Murray mainly, but KCP, I mean, he he, he was strong in that third quarter. He had some big threes and back-to-back threes, so he got us going as well. So on a night where MPJ wasn't his typical self um, and nobody else was in double figures from the starter perspective, Aaron Gordon, I think, had nine. But then Reggie Jackson, I think he again had another good game off the bench. He was in double figure, so... You're right, though, Jacob. It kind of reminded me of the Boston game where it was a lot of, you know, Murray and Jokic, especially down the stretch to uh, bring it home. A lot of timely shots by Jokic again. So uh, a great way to uh, start this uh, trip again. I mean, New York's going to be tough tomorrow, so it was critical to get this win, and glad we got it. Yeah, KCP had like 10 points in five possessions. I think that was he, he, he drove that 39 to 19 quarter, but... What were your thoughts, Glenn? Yeah, I, uh, you know, it was a fun game to watch. Um, I had yeah. to, I had to record the fourth and finish it when I got home, kind of late uh, last night. But um, yeah, you know, like uh, when Coach Carlisle got ejected, I thought that was a key turning point in the game. I thought we brought some intensity after that, and then obviously we went on that big run in the third. Um, but I thought this game was really all about a couple of defensive efforts. And I feel like those gave us some good energetic moments to go down to the other end and take advantage and get a bucket or two and then kind of whittle it down or slow down a little bit. And then, you know, I mean, Peyton Watson had a couple of huge blocks last night. I think I think overall we had nine blocks last night. Uh, Indiana only had one. Yep. And several of those were big blocks in key minutes, um, you know, in the fourth quarter. And so – I thought those were huge. MPJ had a, a monster two-handed block. I'm not sure if you guys remember seeing that. Um, yep. Late on on Nemhart yeah. took Jokic yeah, or yeah. took Murray to the rim. Yeah. 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 And I thought the, I thought those plays uh, just really kind of energized and kept the guys in the game and kept them pushing. On Peyton Watson's note here, 
I'm going to read a tweet by Matt Brooks. So yeah. credit Matt Brooks on Twitter. Uh, Shar, you've seen this, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. So Peyton Watson is holding opponents to a 40.3% shooting. That leads the entire NBA a minimum of 300 field goal attempts that he's guarded. They're shooting a full 7% worse than their normal shooting percentage. Players are shooting 52%, 52 52.6%, mind you, when directly challenging Watson at the rim. That also leads all NBA wings and forwards. He's protecting the basket like a top-tier center. So, I mean, there's the eye test, and Watson has passed that since last year when he played sparingly and just was kind of lost to be honest and now that he's gotten his footing and knows where to be and he's clearly a smart player at this point you can tell he he gets the game he's he's processing it quicker and as the game slows down but those stats are pretty insane for a guy that is like doesn't get a ton of usage and man Everyone, I, I've been seeing a lot of climber on Twitter. Everyone's like, Watson is a steal of that draft, and yada, yada, yada. And I thought for a while it was a little bit overhyped. I don't know if his offense would develop, but he shot a three last night. That was oh. nothing but net. Yeah. Watson, yeah. He, yeah. And, I mean, he missed one bad, too. But yeah, one he thing also I've shot noticed, a ball, too. <laughs> yeah. But but the thing I noticed is and for when you shoot air balls in the NBA – it's one because you're rushed or two because you don't have your legs under you. It's not because you're a bad shooter necessarily. Uh, mm. I mean, n- there's no such thing as a bad shooter. The NBA, they're like, they're all professionals, but it's a matter of, of the, that repetition and uh, young players tend to break their mechanics more. But like when you see Watson shoot and it hits nothing but net in multiple games, I look, yeah, he might he might have made shots, but what does it look like, right? When it's all net, that means that your mechanics are good, like you're dialed in. Like, for example, Christian Brown, when I see him make three-pointers, it's rarely all net. Usually he's hitting the side of the rim or the, or the back of the rim pretty tough, and it's going in. So I just, like, see those little things, and I'm like, I'm starting to see maybe there is some two-way, like, possibly all-star potential down the road. Yeah. So here's here's a couple interesting things on Peyton Watson, right? So um, not many people realize he's actually really close with Kevin Durant. So uh, yep. to the point where Kevin Durant called him his guy, uh, they talk quite quite a bit. Um, Kevin Durant has come out and said that he's going to be a future star in this league. So he's getting endorsement there. Uh, he paid, played some summer games with uh, Paul George. Paul George went on record saying that he is going to be a stud and a future star as well. So I think you're starting to see him. And I think we talked about it early in the year where I called out that I think Peyton Watson is going to be more critical and uh, for this team than even Christian Brown, because a lot of us were high on Christian right this year after a pretty stellar rookie season. But I was one of those that thought that Peyton Watson had the higher ceiling and he was going to have a bigger impact. I think we're starting to see that. What's scary is how young he is and how quickly he's developing before our eyes. Right. So if he pans out to become an, a two-way player where he can get you 15, 18 points a game to go along with that defense, there he's going to come in the starting lineup. They're probably, he's probably going to eventually replace KCP. That would be a crazy lineup between 
<laughs> Murray and KCP in the backfield with Gordon, MPJ, and Jokic, right? So it's a huge that's the potential that he that I think he brings. And again, so what, that you know that tweet when I saw those stats, they surprised me, but they kind of didn't surprise me, right? It's like you're almost like when you see him playing that his defense, you I'm 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 more surprised when someone scores on him than when they don't, right? So I'm like he's that good on the defensive end, and he's he's improving on the offensive end as well. So I, I'm excited to see what he brings. And I think he was just one of those, one of those guys, and you could kind of see it early on this season, even late last season. To be honest, uh, he he would often just get in his own head, especially on offense. You know, should I take this? Should I not shoot this? Oh my gosh, this is a three. I'm not a three ball guy. You know, et cetera. And um, last night when he airballed that three, he was wide open. So for me, it was clear he thought about it instead of just firing. Yeah, I just thought it. You know, part of his part of his development. Is, is really, I think, just coach telling him, like, look, I just need you to do one or two things really well and don't go out there and don't be concerned about giving me 20 points a night or, you know, ha- having the highlight dunk or this or that. But just go give me rebounds, go give me some defense, you know, go stop your guy in the corner and we'll figure out the rest. And I think that's just kind of what we're seeing. Yeah, and, yeah, I think he could be a perfect KCP replacement down the road. Like, that's what he needs is just a few years to just – yeah. Blossom. And like, if he becomes like a, let's call it a 38% three point shooter on like, like three, four attempts a game, oh. he's taking a good amount. I mean, that's, it's over. It's over at that point. Even if that's the best offense he ever gets to, like, that makes you KCP equivalent. I mean, probably even a little bit better just because the defense ceiling is way, way, way higher there. Yeah. Uh, but, and, and most people forget he's good. Porter insurance like like I know we we kind of just forget about it but like there's there is a chance that we get another Miss Porter season in the next four years yeah because of his back like it's just that's just the nature of that injury too so and we'll maybe we'll save this for another podcast but um, KCP you know he is in the final year of his contract it was only a two-year deal right so Mm -hmm. it'll it's going to be interesting to see if the Nuggets end up bringing him back or do they turn to Peyton we'll see yeah yeah if they win back to back it's kind of tough to break it up to that point um yeah right but I could see them doing another one plus one with KCP and then towards the end of his 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 final year again so it'll be two years from now right yeah I could see them trading like that's how you kind of gain some draft capital back because if you've developed Watson enough to replace him two or three years down the road. KCP is still a valuable player at that point, probably, but your better options, KCP or Peyton Watson, then, then that makes him a trade asset again, which right now we don't have any. So anyways, I don't really want to talk too much about trading KCP. Yeah. That's a, that guy, that guy is awesome. And, and speaking of KCP, man, he locked up last night. He held buddy healed to three points and I believe it is two three-point attempts, which is absolutely nuts for a shooter like him. And when, especially when it's a team that's missing uh, their lead guard in Halliburton. So, you know, KCP got defensive player of the, of the game from Malone, and it was well-deserved. Um, but one other thing here with the starting lineup I wanted to get into was Jamal Murray. Uh, he had 31, 8, and 7, so kind of a near triple-double. And what's, like, crazy 
to me is he had the highest plus minus on the team with a plus 17, which means that he was a super plus because he played with the bench. He played with the bench. Yeah. And the, and the bench, like Reggie Jackson was a minus 14. So what that tells me is that Jackson was in there at certain points without Murray and might've had Jokic on the floor and their minutes were bad this time around. So, Murray having that high of a plus minus when staggering with the bench. I mean, he was on fire. He did carry some of those second unit minutes. And, man, he's – it's so up and down, right, because the Wizards game is is completely different. But the Boston game is just kind of like this one. And, uh, man, I'm just really hoping for some more consistency. But I, I will take these highs when they come, for sure. Absolutely. And I think um... – I think he's having career highs in a number of really important categories right now too. Points per game, turnover to assist ratio. Um, I think, gosh, I don't want to misquote it, but I think there's about two or three categories where Murray is just absolutely on fire right now. And look, he's the type of guy that um, I want the ball in his hands to take a game winner. I have no doubt about that. It's either him or Jokic. Yeah. Is he going to make every one of them? No, of course, none of them do. And I've seen Jokic miss game winners too. Um, and so, you know, when we have Murray the other night when he really wanted to be they'll get the guy to end the fourth um, and wasn't, <laughs> um, yeah. it's just, you know, it comes with it comes with the territory, I think, as far as Murray goes. But I'll take, yeah. I'll take the ball in his hands over not in his hands all day long. Agreed. I mean, we talked about it a few podcasts ago. Do we think Murray's going to make the All-Star team? And I said – you know, well, if he makes a strong push these last few games, um, I think he's going to have a strong case. Well, he's doing that. His last 10 games, he's averaging 25 points, four rebounds, seven assists, right? Yep. Um, especially, you know, on national television against Boston. I mean, that was a perfect opportunity for him to showcase that he is an all-star caliber player. So, I mean, I'd be more shocked again at this point if he doesn't make it. Um, I think he deserves it. I think he's, you know, putting together some solid games and if he continues to have the next you know couple weeks he's got a legit chance yeah and he is averaging just slightly glenn career high in points uh assists uh you got the yep the assist to turnover ratio as well as three point percentage he's just just a hair off his his career high or tying it so he's he's basically having a equivalent season as of right now to his pre-injury season Right. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, all he has to do is just string, just be like a tiny bit more consistent and he will have made some, some progress from that season, which was probably his best season before he got hurt. Right. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. You, you could argue, I mean, it, it gets skewed because the playoffs were a whole different thing this last year, but if we're talking strictly regular season between pre-injury and this season are his best season so far. And mm. I don't know which one I would choose over the other, you know, I, it, they're pretty similar, but I feel like as he plays himself into more shape, cause I think that's probably his biggest hurdle. Yeah. He could, he could explode. I mean, he could average, I think Murray's perfect like point to get to is like 23 and seven. And I think he's completely capable of doing that. Yeah. And I, so I, I think, I think that's a great salad. Absolutely. And I think Jokic is the type of unselfish player to let him do it. You know, if Murray is just going to town in the second yeah. half of the season, Jokic will let him do it and then not have any reservation about taking any stats or having to be the guy. 
which is really nice. Right, right. So yeah, um, Reggie Jackson looked good. That, that was this kind of the first minutes that that stagger felt like it worked to me, um, or like worked pretty consistently through the game. But Reggie, I mean, it could be just a symptom of Reggie happening to hit shots that he was missing earlier too. So I still don't like the stagger, but it worked in this game, um, which is important because Indiana's bench is uh, statistically the best in the league. Right. They're they're a deep team. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Any other final thoughts or anyone, anyone else you want to touch on? We're, we're running kind of long, so I did want to kind of move on to the next segment here. Nope, I'm good. We can move on. Okay. So, yeah, we got the Knicks coming up and then the 76ers. Uh, to be honest, the Knicks, to me, don't interest me very much. We just don't see them. And not someone I, I really think will see in the finals, to be honest. Uh, their team is definitely kind of interesting still. Uh, they got Quentin Grimes, who was somebody who I liked in the draft and felt like we should have picked, uh, even though we, we he went a little bit earlier. But uh, OG, another person we, we missed in the draft, uh, famously mm-hmm. Tim Conley, traded up. Um, so I, it's still going to be a tough game. Uh, Julius Randle's a tough guard for Aaron Gordon. It's just kind of a, a big player. Uh, likes to do a little bit of bully ball, but can still shoot. Uh, but Isaiah Hartenstein against Jokic is just barbecue chicken. Oh, and yeah, me, I'll say one thing. Ch- real quick. He's actually it. out. Yeah, he's actually oh, out. Oh, is he? So, so okay. both Hartenstein and uh, Mitchell Robinson, they're both oh. um, out tomorrow. So, oh, they started Jericho Sims. Yeah, I was gonna say so. It's gonna be Jericho Sims, who's, I mean, if I he's mean, not gonna be sleeping well tonight, I mean, <laughs> he's got some barbecue nightmares. chicken or barbecue pork. Which one? Take your pick, whichever one you want. So it could be another, you know, Washington game where Jokic just goes goes ballistic tomorrow because again, what there is no answer for the Knicks. No, seventy points. No, it's seventy one points is what we need from Jokic. Yeah, <laughs> if he wanted to, he could he could absolutely do it. And tomorrow would be the game because the Knicks aren't a, a, a very big team, um, anyways. And then your two centers both being out, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. They have well, they have won four in a row, so they're playing good ball right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Julius Randle and and uh, Jalen Brunson had thirty apiece right. last night against the Nets. I mean, it was the Nets, but the Nets are like, I mean, statistically they're not a very good defensive team, but like personnel wise, I don't know why they aren't. I mean, they're full of defenders over there, especially with you got Claxton in the middle too. So right. that's kind of odd to me, but. Yeah, Julius Randle at 39 and 7. So he's showing some passing chops. Uh, I'll be interested to see how OG flows with them and whether they decide to put either, it'll either be OG or DiVincenzo on Murray, one of the two. So yeah. I, I'd probably OG, I would imagine. What do you guys think? I think it'll be OG on Murray for sure. Um, yeah. Put DiVincenzo probably on um, Porter. And they probably hide Brunson on KCP. So it tends teams tend to do. Yeah. Right. But you know, in Jericho Sims is starting, they don't have another center, so it's probably gonna be Precious uh, uh Achua, who's I mean, he is a skinny, skinny he's guy, undersized. So, 
mm-hmm. if he's going to be playing, you know, some backup minutes at center for the Knicks again against Jokic. Th- this is a game where you got to post Jokic up repeatedly and let him either dominate or find the open guy because it's one of those if you're the Knicks, pick your poison. You want to let Jokic do what Jokic is going to do or double team and he's going to find the open man. So, uh, but again, it's, yeah, they're playing well. So it's not like it's, I, I don't expect it to be an easy win by any means. I think it's going to be another hard fought road game, right? Probably another fourth quarter game, but too much Jokic at the end. Yeah. I, I don't imagine Tibbs is going to say, okay, single coverage like Washington did. I, I, I think there's going to be a lot of double teaming because his teams are, well-connected defensively so uh yeah a lot of doubling that would be the only reason why maybe og doesn't guard murray is i could see them using og as more of a free safety and roaming a little bit because that's something he's capable of doing and that might be your only chance if you're playing against Jokic. but that's uh, a good also point. Be, yeah, Sorry, Jim, that's a good point like i think they probably will end up doubling them a lot right just because they are undersized which means that Porter's going to have to step up. He's kind of he can't have a night like he did against Indiana. He's got to go back to his normal form. Mm-hmm. So I think he's got to step up, hit those open threes. KCP's going to have to come up with big again, and then Murray does what Murray does. So yeah, um, I don't know. What do you think, Glenn? What are your thoughts on the Knicks matchup, especially away? They're kind of tough to play on there. Yeah, they are. You know, we're we're kind of getting it. Uh, well, to the end of this road trip, which I consider wildly successful at this point, Knicks have been playing well, so I don't think it's anything we can, you know, even know we're a better, uh, better matchup per se, personnel wise. Um, I definitely don't think we can take the night off. And if, if there's anything that's ever true about the NBA, it's, you can't take any night off. Yeah. And Tibbs, Tibbs teams play hard. That's just what they do. Yeah. They, they, they don't take nights off. They might you know, not make shots. They might just have bad offensive process, but they're going to try hard. And so I think Brunson being there has been just a blessing for them to get some consistency on the offensive end from. So, yeah. and still fitting that identity of trying hard, right? He's a, he's a little guy. He has to try hard. Right. Yeah. Well, two point Glenn, I mean, it's like, look, at the NBA there. Uh, every team's got talent, right? I mean, mm-hmm. so any team on any given night can beat any other team. Just just go ask Minnesota who just lost to Charlotte, right? A couple nights ago. So <laughs> it can happen. And that was at home, right? Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's one of those, two, if you don't, if you don't bring your A game, and if you think you're just going to cruise by, those are the games that you end up losing. So yeah, I mean, Nuggets have to be ready. And uh, I think they're going to want to finish this trip strong to head back home against two tough, tough games in Philly and uh, Milwaukee. So yeah, yeah, and I, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be upset if they dropped this one just because our road trip has been so good. Like, this would be understandable yeah. um, if they drop it. So, you agree with that, Glenn? Yeah, that put us three two on the on the road. And considering yeah. who we've played, I will take that all day. Uh, although I would love to leave this five five game road trip five, uh, four and one. That'd make me really happy. Yeah, of course. I mean, any anybody would yeah. love that too, for sure. And I did want to touch on that <laughs> Minnesota Charlotte game. Did you <laughs> see Chris Chris Finch saying that they did basketball injustice and yeah, they deserved to immature. lose? <laughs> yeah, he called it immature play. Yep. Yeah, he's like, we cheated the game of basketball, and I was like, whoa. Yep, that's a disciple of Michael Malone for sure. No doubt. So, yeah, that was. That's uh, I'm really, really hoping that's like the beginning of like a little bit of a slide from 
from the wolves. Um, that would be a good point to start. Is that they're they're high of you know cat scoring all these points and them still losing ends up being the the peak of it. But um, yeah, the next one coming up, we got seventy sixers at home. My question about the Knicks game is: Is Isaiah Hartenstein ducking Jokic? Uh, so, <laughs> well, uh, the 76ers is probably the same question, right? Is uh, yeah. is Embiid ducking Jokic at home? He's been playing. I uh, I think it's play. pretty likely he plays. He's gonna play. What do you guys think? I yeah, think you so think too. so? Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's he's a not tough gonna... one. As well as he's playing, he's not going to want the one wrinkle saying that, oh, yeah, but once again, he ducked Jokic in Denver, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. He's got everything going for him. So why, at this point, why have anything negative whatsoever? So I, I absolutely expect him to play. Yeah, to me, this is like the last chance Jokic has to like revive his MVP campaign uh, is if he completely dominates Embiid and Embiid just has a terrible night. Yeah. Uh, other than if, if it would be a misses enough games to not qualify for MVP, right. which is a real possibility. It's possible. So, yeah. I just yeah, don't think I just, cares, guys. I really don't. No, he doesn't. He this doesn't. is a completely a fan narrative I'm talking about right now. No doubt. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he'd probably rather not, actually. It's not that yeah. he doesn't care. He probably doesn't want it. Right. right. So, yeah, I, I don't think it matters, but. Uh, I really hope that we don't see all these cross matches we saw last time we played them. Uh, the doubling scheme didn't work. Embiid's been an improved passer this year. I think he's – honestly, I think he's kind of trying to take a page from Jokic's notebook. Or he it might even be Nick Nurse saying, hey, like, this so is the guy that's been beating you out for MVP. He's like, look at you – know, and they and they put him a lot in a lot of spots They've been they use Jokic in. A lot more than the previous regime mm-hmm. with Doc Rivers, but uh, Tyrese Maxey is a blur man. That's the the other guy. Like I know Embiid's going to get his. We need to slow Tyrese down because we did not last game. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah, they got he, he got he got to the paint whenever he wanted, and you know to your first point, I think I think we got to do a much better job of bringing some ball pressure up on Embiid in the high post and don't let him sit there and take a, you know, 15, 16 foot shot uncontested, at least put a hand in his face. He, you know, he does the fadeaway with the knee in the air. And so you're not really going to block any shots, but you darn well have to contest. Yeah. I think that the biggest thing that upset me about last game was Embiid was doing what Embiid was going to do, but it's the rotations when they were double teaming where they left Tobias Harris open, they left Maxi open. It's like, you can't let the two shooters that are going to hurt you go and double team. That's, they got to be more disciplined on that. And either, like you said, Glenn, play him straight up and put a hand in his face and just make him take a tough shot or at least rotate with the right guy and not the Mm -hmm. two shooters. Yeah. And it wasn't even just like the fact that you're doubling off a shooter. Like you can double off a shooter if they're on the right spot on the floor that you can rotate to as you double team. Right. They were doubling. They were doubling one pass away off a shooter. That's like living a wide easiest pass. Yeah. That's the easiest pass in the NBA to make. Like you're asking Michael Porter to rotate from the corner to the wing when Embiid just passed it five feet to the wing. Like he doesn't have time to rotate to that it's just not not possible so yeah i to your point glenn i mean the problem with pressuring and is he's just going to be a free throw 
free throw merchant. And that's one thing we did well in that game, even though he, he burned us, was we didn't let him get to the foul line a lot. So it's kind of – it's the way that Jokic is pick your poison, whether you're going to double team mm. him or make him a scorer. It's the same with Embiid is are you going to yeah. – are you going to pressure him and make t- shots tougher, but you're going to give up 15 free throws? Right. Or are you going to, are you going to hope that he yeah. just doesn't hit shots that night? Because he's, he kind of, honestly, it's, it's a weird comp- comparison, but he kind of reminds me of Mello and how yeah. his face up game, like now it doesn't matter who's in front of him. Right. Like, you can run at him, whoever you want, lengthy dudes. Like if he scores 70 on Weminyama and like half of those were, that same jump shot, a guy with an eight foot wingspan. I don't think it really matters. It's yeah. You probably have to double team him, and you got to do it smart because he's not the passer and Jokic is, and we should know how to make a scheme to double team a big man. <laughs> you know, if, if if any team in the league does, right? Yeah, agreed. Yeah. So, anyways, any other thoughts on this game? I think we should probably get wrapped up here. We're kind of going pretty long, but. All right. Well, yeah, that will do it for the 5280 Nuggets Fast Break Podcast, part of the Rocky Mountain Sports Network. Uh, We will see you again after this Knicks game and talk a little bit more about the 76ers. And that one, I probably want to get into a little bit of trade talk uh, just because that season is here. It's coming up and the Nuggets don't have a ton of options, but we can make little uh, adjustments on the edges of the roster. So. Uh, we will talk about that then. But anyways, thanks, Glenn. Thanks, Ashar. Uh, it was great talking to Oops as usual. Likewise. Thanks, Have a good night. Take care.